It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. All right, so welcome back. This is episode 13 of our second series of CORE podcasts. This series has been focusing entirely on CORE 2020, and this one is not an exception, but it is a familiar concept that does come forward from the previous CORE as well. So it is something that we're seeing um, as a carry-forward topic, uh, which is the distinction between pre-use inspection and preventative maintenance. So when we talk about preventative maintenance, it's a familiar element from the previous core, element seven, and it's element seven in the core 2020 audit tool as well. For this topic, I've brought back a couple uh, familiar guests at this point. I've got uh, Mr. David DeMetto and Mr. Michael Falls here with me, and I'm hoping that we can uh, just get started with you guys introducing yourselves. Yeah, my name is David DeMetto. I am a health and safety management consultant in the core department here at IHSA. Yeah, and as Marn said, uh, Michael Falls is my name. And uh, like David, I'm a health and safety management consultant uh, with IHSA as well. I've got the same job title. My name is Marn Campbell. Uh, you know, we're more... Uh, informally known as the core consultants uh, <laughs> at the IHSA, it tends to roll off the tongue just a little quicker. So uh, if that's what you've heard, that's us as well. We're the ones, our major touch point with your audit would be during the internal audit review, where we're getting your internal submission and, and uh, going through validating scoring and providing you the report. So you may have talked to one or more of us that you're hearing, or you may not have, but um, you probably won't avoid us. Uh, in the future if you stay with the <laughs> with the core program. So when it comes to element seven, which is sort of half the focus of this particular episode, um, we're talking about preventative maintenance. And when it comes to this element, we do often see issues in terms of scoring if the internal auditor isn't completely solid on the distinction between the idea of a pre-use inspection and the idea of the preventative maintenance itself. The reason this becomes an issue in core is because while in real life, in your system, these two are very connected to one another. Uh, Pre-use inspection will definitely feed into your preventative maintenance program, and your preventative maintenance program will help those inspections have better results. for core, for the purposes of scoring, we really had to, um, you know, find a way to represent it. And in the end, they ended up separate. So element seven focuses on preventative maintenance, uh, while element nine, which includes workplace inspections, has grabbed the inspection component of that. So in order to give scoring, um, we really need to have them separate and know where the line is. Uh, Mike, do you want to yeah, for sure. We definitely see that that confusion happening where um, people are, are getting, you know, element nine and, and seven. A lot of times it's we actually see a crossover where we'll see information that really should be maybe delivered in element nine showing up in seven. They just assume that, um, you know, that in, that pre-use inspection, oh, I did my circle check for my vehicle, mm-hmm. that's going to suffice for, for maintenance. But really when we're like talking maintenance, we're talking about like that formalized system. Um, to ensuring your equipment, vehicles, tools, and facilities, which is one that, that seems to be forgotten quite, quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. How do you keep these things maintained in, in that good working order, that safe condition um, for your workers to operate these things or, or at least work in or around um, with these tools, these facilities, things like that? So the, the circle check doesn't do that? 
No, the circle check doesn't really cover that part. <laughs> okay, so I get like the circle check, if I'm sort of following, the circle check is checking for problems. Yes. Whereas we're talking about getting ahead of the problems. Yes. Yeah. Proactive, right? That, yes. That's the word, the key word. Yeah, like proactive versus reactive. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. So when we talk about proactive, okay, how, how do we know when maintenance is supposed to be done? Like, what's the deal? Um, well, it's, I, I'll you know, bring the analogy of your vehicle. Um, your manufacturer's instructions will tell you when you're supposed to do uh, an oil change, right? Um, for equipment that are out on, out on the projects or in your, in your warehouse, it could be hours. Uh, odometer readings, right, um, that, that require your vehicle to have certain things done to it or your equipment to have certain things done to it before things go wrong, right? It's, you know, it's not those external factors. Well, you know, something broke. <laughs> right. It's yeah. well. Could could we have done something prior to it so that it doesn't break? Yeah. Right. That could be maintained. Yeah, and that's the key, right? When you talk about uh, maintenance, is that the manufacturer's instructions, like they've they've s- sort of set this system in place for us, right? They've identified based on you know their um, I'll say design of this product that they understand that you know certain parts are going to wear at a certain pace, things like that, and we need to make sure that if we're um, going to maintain this product in that safe working condition, then we should be following those intervals. Like Dave said, whether it's through odometer, whether it's through the hour meter, whatever the case may be, those set intervals are important for us to to maintain that equipment. I love that because who knows the product better than the person producing it? I, I That makes perfect sense. And I guess when we're talking about this, um, if I'm getting this correct, it's um, we're talking about a lot of the things that appear as consumables, sure. right? So this isn't a checklist, but rather this is changing the oil, Change, yeah, exactly. changing brake pads, yeah. greasing a joint, doing yeah. those kind of things where there's some sort of product you have to keep in your inventory right. to perform the maintenance or, or third-party service. Yeah, have so, somebody else yeah. come out and do exactly. it for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're often looking at that kind of item. Mm-hmm. So again, let's not forget facilities because Good point. we yep. just kind of almost we're doing the, it same, too. Yep. the same thing that everybody else did, right? Yep. So um, when it comes to our facilities, right, you know, tying in things like Element 11, so our emergency responses, but also thinking things like, um, you know, um, there's annual requirements for uh, our fire extinguishing um, or, or even whatever those prevent, uh, protection systems are, yeah, right? suppression like sprinklers, systems, yeah. things like that. Um, yeah. they got to be elevators. testers. The elevators. Right. You know, we have oh, the, yeah. uh, from TSSA having to come in and... We've you know, got help. one at the IHSA building for that sure. do that, yeah. Yeah, that yeah get those yeah. annual inspections completed. Make sure that, that that device is safe for operation, right? That's a, that's a really good point as well. It's easy to forget that facilities word is in there, but there's uh, essentially no unintentional word in a core audit tool. you got to make sure you, you include every single one that's in there. Um, otherwise, it can end up being uh, an impact for you. For sure. mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to it, something that I've noticed is, you know, you go to the manufacturer's instructions and you flip to, you know, you go to table of contents and there's something in there, maintenance schedule, preventative maintenance, something like that. You flip to that section. This is gold for answering element seven, because like Mike said, this tells you everything that the manufacturer expects to be done. One thing I've seen cause confusion, though, is that a lot of manufacturers will include their inspection requirements in there as well and their inspection expectations. Now, like we said, these are still critical and they are linked. And that's why the manufacturer is putting them together. But in terms of representing them for core, do understand the distinction between those pieces. Show us how you're doing both of those things, but show us the preventative maintenance in element seven and the pre-use inspection in element nine so that it's being captured accurately for scoring. 
The other thing that comes up in Element 7, not just setting schedules for maintenance, but evaluating the company's response plans, is what I'm calling it, if there's deficiencies identified. So not the process of the inspection to identify deficiencies, but what are you doing after that happens? So again, we're setting aside the inspection itself and talking about, you know, we've identified a problem now. What is your maintenance for addressing that maintenance yeah. program? Yeah. Who do they report it to? Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to schedule the, uh, the repairs? Um, can the equipment continue to be used? That's a big one. Right? That's, you know, that, it's a huge, you know, you're out uh, doing something and, well, hold on a second. I'm, you know, at my hours. Nobody wants to stop. No, you can't. I get right? it. You know, Production, you know, right? You, yeah. But safety first. So yeah. <laughs> what is the threshold, you know? Is there a minor thing that it can be used or is this a full stop? And who's competent to make that decision? Mm-hmm. You guys were here for my competency uh, yeah. chat with you guys on our previous episode. You know, we really have to determine who is making those choices. Yeah, you know, that overdue service. Um, it's yeah, I, I look yeah. at it as it's a mis, hugely missed part um, of preventative mm-hmm. maintenance, right? Um, what if the equipment, like I said, um, is the hours are up like how long can i use it for and you know when you talk yeah. about competencies you've got your equipment operators mm-hmm. like I, I i would trust wholeheartedly on that right but sometimes they like to push the sure. limit on it too right and nobody wants to uh end that day early because you know it's it's hours right so. let's 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 be realistic too like i drive a vehicle not for work my personal vehicle when that oil light change indicator comes on how long how long do we all go over that in our personal lives and you know just sort of also understanding the distinction in terms of the implications as well when it's your professional life versus your personal life in your personal life you're you're making a personal choice for better or worse but in your professional life there are a lot more sort of legal implications to those choices you're making for sure sure. and and you know we always talk about the legal implications but even the consequences if you don't service it Mm-hmm. How long is that machine going to be down, down afterwards if it's got to be repaired because it wasn't greased or the oil wasn't changed? Yeah, you've got um, a whole machine seized up because it was never greased. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Someone didn't know there was one grease point, yeah. and then yeah. that, that whole section of the machine is failing. Gone, yeah. Yeah, for Absolutely. Sure. And, 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 and manufacturers even recognize themselves. That's why they put that piece in there. You know, Even if you're following that maintenance program, you know, sometimes you, you can maybe get a faulty part or, or you know, there's just something happens and that um, almost that uh, need for, for repairs is there. It might not be a maintenance thing, but just coming up with the fact that, hey, we've we've done our inspection. We've noticed that there is an actual problem and taking care of that too, right? Mm-hmm. So just kind of trying to separate those out within element seven to understand that, yeah, there's this maintenance aspect that we have to follow, mm-hmm. but don't forget there there is the potential for, you know, things to happen outside of maintenance that needs to be... Um, repaired or looked Mm -hmm. at and really the systems for both right what's your system for being proactive and what's your system for being reactive in an effective and and appropriate way to ensure no one's getting hurt continuing to use equipment that actually should be serviced all right so i mean i'm looking at it going i feel like that's a pretty good overview of the major concepts in element seven i'm hoping we cover the distinction between the pre-use inspection and the preventative maintenance but One of the questions I get a lot is, well, we don't own anything as an organization. What am am I maintaining? Yeah. Well, you know, it could be um, you're looking at, are you renting anything? Are you leasing anything? Maybe it could be a vehicle, could be equipment. Um, 
under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, uh, suppliers have a requirement to certain things when it comes to maintenance of uh, of the tools and equipment that they're sending out. Okay. Right. Um, could be your subcontractors, uh, uh, or you have somebody providing you a service. Are they maintaining their equipment? You know, you have someone coming in to do a service at your at your facility, and their their equipment's not any good, or their equipment's not maintained. How do you, you know, how do you deal with that? And so sometimes when I say that, I get um, an immediate stress level yeah. increase because, well, I don't know. How do I, I can't get their records. That's, that's their business. That's, you're right. You don't need to know the same level of detail that you would need to know if you were maintaining it yourself. But what you need to have is a system to make sure they are maintaining it themselves. So think about what the appropriate level of digging in is to determine the, what, do they have a record they can show you that, that provides the conclusion that they've reached for their maintenance? You know, just to go back quickly to rent, to rented and leased vehicles, um, mm-hmm. from experience, a lot of times, if you're, especially if you're signing long-term contracts, like uh, the company I used to work for, we used to rent equipment on, on a yearly basis for a lot of oh, the yeah, projects. Oh, yeah, okay. And, and part of the contract stipulates that we must maintain this piece oh, of equipment yeah. as per. <laughs> yeah. So like, we're leasing it, and, and they come and do the maintenances, but we're, we're obligated to make sure that, or we were obligated to make sure that we were following that. Process. Right, that you tell them when to come. So right? it comes in the contract, right? I mean, they, they, they knew the equipment is all GPSed, and, and they knew when the changes had to, had to happen, and they would reach out to us. But it was still in that contract that we were on the hook. So if we mm-hmm. you know, neglected to not <laughs> to do, do those yeah. services, then we were on the hook for any you know, excessive repair. That's that's a big deal too, especially to I think a lot of employers who would be concerned about that aspect as well. Um, and and I think you brought up something good there too. A lot of this concept of sort of external digital GPS communication with uh, with a rental company or that sort of thing. This is reasonably common from what I've been seeing these days. Um, but it's it's not a reason for a company to sit back and not have a program. Yeah. Yeah. You still need to understand what your your process is. And if that's a piece of it, fine. But how your company is determining what that is and how you utilize it is important. And how you respond to it to, uh, you know, fill out the fine print is very <laughs> critical as well. Yeah, it's a tool that you're, that you're using. Yeah, right? it's so, one of, yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not the only... And again, we can't forget facilities. They can also be uh, rented and leased. And uh, that's also something where you need to figure out what your relationship with the owner, the landlord would be, what you're responsible for and what they're responsible for. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So another thing is, um, what do I need to show to, in order to prove that I have competent, qualified people doing you know, maintenance and inspections? I mean, if we take a, a look at something like element eight, right? We talked about training, communication, um, ensuring that your workers have the training. But again, if we go back to competencies, training is just that one key piece, right? right. Their knowledge, their experience. Um, for things like, you know, completing inspections or maybe, you know, in Element 7 we ask about, um, you know, qualified people or competent people completing the maintenance itself, right? right. So just can they show that? Do they have, um, you know, certificates, qualifications, CFQs? And then also to things like, you know, are we are we completing the mandated things like um, CVORs, those annual inspections, again being completed by those those competent uh, 
competent people. Yeah, and you got your, you know, you got cranes and so forth, non-destructive tests that have to happen uh, on an annual basis as well, right? So these are things that, you know, that the competency, you know, you'll know that this has to happen, right? It's not yeah. just something that, uh, oh yeah, somebody told me about it, but tie back to again our last episode i guess if we're trying to answer the question in element 8.1 about competencies defined for certain roles these things probably need to fit in there in terms of what your program is determining so your program should look at what do we need to have competent people for what are we doing in-house versus what are we going to bring in a third party because we don't have in-house competencies for that um, and then look at what the training's, uh, training is. So this is something that really an organization should be defining for themselves as well, ensuring it meets legal requirements, but defining for themselves. Third parties, guys, if, if I don't touch anything, <laughs> you know, whether it's owned, rented, whatever I've got, uh, when it comes to the maintenance requirements, someone else is doing it. How do I show evidence for competency? It's a documentation question in the audit. What are the auditors looking for? I mean, just 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 proof that the you're you're getting these things serviced. Um, if you're taking it to to some sort of um, facility, like a, you know, say say it's a truck, mm-hmm. and you're taking it to say maybe a dealership or something like that, you know, those invoices are going to show that you're having those maintenance repaired. You know, you, <clears throat> it's going to. I won't. I, I hate to use the word assumption, but we're going to have to assume that that person that's hired by that dealership to complete this maintenance has that that qualification that's Fair. why you brought that vehicle to them that's right okay. they're putting themselves forward uh in that light as a, yeah. as a mechanic or whatever the case may be uh fair enough so in that case we just want you to show us the sort of evidence that that is where you where you where took you it yeah. take it to get um, maintained, and you yeah. don't necessarily need to you know grill the mechanic for their, <laughs> sure. for their record yeah. of trading and, yeah. and that kind of thing but then you, you know you may go to a smaller it might not be a dealership um but it could be a, a mechanic and i you know I, I use one in where i live and he t- you know he takes care of my vehicles uh, they've got their their certificates up there, right? right? On right. The wall, yeah. 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 So you know, we something that we can look at as well. Absolutely. Um, I think that that covers a lot of the common questions with Element Seven, and really, just I think for me, the the key was highlighting the the difference um, and and how it needs to be presented for the core audit submission as internal auditors. I think it's one of those things that's hard. For us, when the scoring goes sideways because of, you know, a a fundamental sort of conceptual thing. So um, just the difference between inspection and maintenance for the purposes of CORE. Um, Do you guys have a little, a couple words, a short sentence for this one? Well, back to the beginning, you know, it is a formalized system to ensure that your equipment, tools, uh, vehicles, and facilities are kept in in safe working order. You know, it's, it's the definition right out of the handbook, right? Yeah, the key is, you know, just tell us how are you going to to keep these things maintained as per, you know, manufacturer's instructions as per let's say facilities building code. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we have we have those we have those legal requirements, so show us how. I think that makes sense in terms of uh, a previous episode too that I uh, did with Deb and Peter on procedures where we talked about the idea of tell us your story. So when it comes to preventative maintenance, tell us your story. And that's, that's going to be how you, you most effectively communicate what's going on. And you have to have a story. You have to have a story. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, well, we'll see, you know, when it happens. That's right. Bullet points. Here's what we hope to do, but not a story around how. Uh, And that's what we're really looking to do. That's a good point. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, gentlemen. It's fun. Thanks, man.
the IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.